0: Hey everybody! Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pillar Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz here with Lauren Johnson, FMP, and we're going to continue with these awesome episodes of the most asked questions uh, of our Q and A's on Instagram. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six. We have seven questions that uh, were asked quite a bit. So let's just kind of uh, roll with it. So Lauren, first one that I wrote down was. Uh, people getting reactions or or not feeling good on fermented foods
1: yeah i mean, we see that everywhere especially in the holistic community there are a lot of people that say well this is going to be your solution yep. to uh, whatever type of gut thing or isn't a isn't um sauerkraut enough for a probiotic and well my first thing would be we don't, I don't always use probiotics. That's not always my first go-to to to fix a gut issue. Right. And then the second thing would be like, well, I mean, if you, if your gut, if you have SIBO, for example, probiotic, that might be actually much worse. Right.
0: Totally. Totally. I, uh, you know, fermented foods is an interesting one because this perfect example of the research shows this, the research Mm -hmm. says that, and, and, you know, one of the things that one of my biggest hesitations ever when I was living in California about going onto Instagram was I would have people coming in and said that they heard that, you know, like you mentioned sauerkraut or probiotics from this health influencer and this person is what heals all gut issues and heals all that. And, and, you know, fermented foods do have a medicinal benefit, but the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Right. And fermented foods can be, you know, increase histamine, uh, and fermentation increases fungus. And like you mentioned, SIBO and, and stuff like that. So when someone really reacts poorly to fermented foods, my first thought is they just have a ton of fungus, most likely something like candida overgrowth or some along those lines. Um, and similar with probiotics, you know, they can feed SIBO, they can feed, um, CFO, small intestine fungal overgrowth. And some of the strains of probiotics are, are very, uh, histamine promoting. And so if yeah. people are, are, struggling when they try, you know, what their favorite influencer uh, said was great for giving good prebiotics and stuff. It's a good thing at the wrong time. And that is what is happening. It's feeding stuff that shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, I have a post I will share it in the comments on probiotics and the good probiotic strains that are not histamine producing. If you have been on antibiotics, and you feel like you need a probiotic, well, first our argument would be to also address fungus, because that typically is the biggest issue after antibiotics. Yep. And, um, and to, and so like scutellaria or golden thread, um, you know, Malia or Miranda, one of the antifungal herbs would be a really great option after antibiotics. And then maybe some Megaspore, which both of us have used, yep. um, help as a as a probiotic and they do have a kid's gummy that i think would be a better solution i i also think that most people have some type of fungal issue in today's world between the the, our airtight homes and all the mold growing with the emf because you know mold or uh Mold grows 600 times faster in the presence of EMF. Like we, that yep. has been proven. And so we all know that we have more mold in our home today than we did than homes did a hundred years ago. They're more energy efficient. Now there's more mold growth. How many women have been on birth control? A lot. Yeah. How many people mm-hmm. have been on antibiotics? A lot. Like I think the average child is on 17 rounds of antibiotics. I mean, there's, that's probably, probably worse where I used to work. I mean, just almost every month they would be on an antibiotic. At yeah. And so it is impossible to think that there is just no fungal issues. And so I just think most people, if they're at the beginning of a healing journey, they're probably not going to do well with fermented foods, even sourdough, which is like the big people love sourdough. And yeah. for us and my, in my family, I made it for over a year and it is, it is, It's great. It's great tasting. Um, but it, it does still have some gluten, which is is a separate issue, but the biggest issue I found was that it's it's the fermentation. It wasn't helping my child's candida, candida, which I, uh, you know, is part of the fact that there was mold concerns. They both had hep B, which we know hep B has yeast in it too. There's all these candida issues that we have. Um, we're all exposed to a bunch of heavy metals in the air and in our water and all these different things. And so it's like, who who really would tolerate fermented things? And that's definitely not the first place you would start for Correct. a journey.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we're all sourdough lovers because it tastes great. It's yeah. a thousand times better than white bread and wheat bread yeah. and, and all that type of stuff. But again, we can't stress enough. The right thing or a good thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. And instead of saying, Oh, I can't do that. Just look at it as your body giving you a symptom to say, Hey, there's a d- another issue. Here's your symptom. Let's take care of it. So be grateful that you're in tune with knowing that this stuff might make you feel a little off. Um, and I like how Lauren said that we use herbs uh, because a lot of times the probiotics will feed fungus and herbs are very good at, at decreasing fungal loads. And if I had to choose one, I would go with golden thread. The reason why is because a lot of chronic fungal overgrowth is from antibiotic use and what antibiotics do to your mitochondria and so much more of your physiology. Golden thread contains berberine and a few other things that are uh, synergistic with that, that actually address so many different inflammatory feedback loops beyond just the fungus. So it's a very good one for so many reasons. There's a reason why berberine is probably top one or two functional med nutrients on the planet. Um, But it is very strong. Um, So if you're breastfeeding and uh, you take it and your child gets diarrhea or constipated, I would go to something else. If you're pregnant, then uh, you can't monitor uh, the little one. So uh, we would switch over to Scutellaria and uh, black cumin oil is a, again, black cumin oil, I'm telling you, it is like, it is the more, uh, I'm saying it's my number one. Black cumin oil, number one for most things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good.
0: All right. So that was fermented foods. Next one is low sperm count. This is a really good question. And here's a really good answer is that it's the same stuff that is causing egg issues in females. It is no different. A lot of people will ask like, okay, so for my egg quality, you talk about this, but what about sperm quality? Folks, it's the same thing. One's in the man, one's in the female. It is going to be the same factor. So, Lauren, what do you think are some of the, say, top two or three main things that's decreasing sperm count and essentially egg quality?
1: Well, so I, I like, and you know, and I'll, I'm going to point to Charlie's membership on this because you've had such such great videos on this that yeah. I think you really do need to go and listen to it so that way you have a firm understanding of why. Um, but I. I do think like astragalus and ashwagandha is great for testosterone. Totally. Um, I I know there's a lot of ashwagandha haters out there. There are. I'm surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I know it's it, it's a nightshade. So if you're nightshade sensitive, then you know probably don't go with that. But it is a, it's really great at increasing testosterone. And testosterone yep. is super important for a man, not just for fertility. And so I I like that. Um, I like NAC a lot um, for egg quality and for sperm. Um, There's a lot of studies to support it. And actually some reproductive fertility clinics that you start seeing them tell you to take these things. I like CoQ10. Um, I think that is great too. What were some of the other ones that you mentioned in your your video? So
0: this is very timely because uh, this Tuesday I'm releasing the... Chronic pain and chronic fatigue syndromes video. And mm-hmm. then the following video I'm gonna do about two weeks later is gonna be a full deep dive on infertility. Oh great. great. I already have the fertility video um in the membership, which you're that you're alluding to. Um but I, I want to do a little more on that because that's right. that's a video that's shared with two other hormonal things. And so you already said um astragalus, love astragalus, love ashwagandha, and I love uh Shadavari. I, I, I Batavari, like all of yes. those. I like those for three. men
1: and for women, because for a lot women, of times, both. a lot of times you'll see women talk being, it's talked about with women. And I, yeah. I'm on, I take Shadavari right now. Like I love Shadavari, <laughs> um, but it's also great for men too.
0: Totally. And so um, those are my top three herbs that come to my mind. Uh, But the one thing that I will say is and you know, you'll, if you, people go and listen to the fertility video and I'll definitely preach on it in the infertility video, which will be an extension of that. Uh, is that insulin just destroys ovary cells and sperm cells. And so we need to stabilize blood sugar. And for egg quality and sperm quality, my number one supplement is probably actually going to be Regenerative Heart uh, because it has the NAC in there, which you mentioned. It has CoQ10. It has lipoic acid, which resensitizes you to your own insulin and helps with a massive amount of uh, brain inflammation and, and really just inflammation in the body. Um, it has your vitamins and minerals uh it has one of the most important ingredients it's uh, it's the lowest concentration of all of them in there but melatonin melatonin significantly enhances egg quality and sperm quality because it is a potent protector of mitochondria and that is the goal is to increase your mitochondria so i don't want to you know I'm, I'm i'm starting to get into the video as we're talking right now yeah, but I, um,
1: that's a big deal is- that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting one that I could do we could do an entire podcast episode on melatonin because totally. I feel like it's such a misunderstood thing um and most even functional medicine doctors are like they a lot of times they'll steer away from it but then there's it's so helpful for so many things um yep. I mean Dr. Klinghart uses it with autism like high dose melatonin yeah high high so dose I love that it's in Virginia's heart and that Dr. Wersendahl like he knew
0: yeah he knew <laughs> he needed he, that Versandall um, had issues with other supplement companies before he started Vervida, and I don't want to name any any names, but basically what they said is to him was that he this is in the like 90s and late 80s, and he would say that everybody is low on vitamin D and everybody needs more iodine, and they're like, look, we we can't you know we can't be saying it. He's like, I'm telling you guys vitamin D. It is a big thing. And this is decades ago. And so, uh, he was also big on, you know, melatonin and having proper melatonin levels. And, and so he's so far ahead of his time. Obviously people have heard me say how grateful I am for him and, and the impact he's had on my life. Um, and melatonin, uh, is another one of was his, uh, clinical pearls on, he would say like, you know, melatonin, yes, it's going to counteract cortisol, but melatonin helps The reproductive system. And when you take a deeper dive, you see how potent of an antioxidant it is and really antioxidants just put on inflammation. So you hear us talking about glutathione. You hear us talking about melatonin. Those are all so good for us because they help dampen the inflammation from all the environmental toxins. And that is what really is degrading egg quality and sperm count is the environment, the estrogen dominance, as you alluded to with testosterone being so important. Um, and all hormones are dependent on insulin and insulin surges that disrupt all of them. So it is uh, uh, a a perfect example of environmental toxicity, mm-hmm. uh, which is low sperm count and egg quality issues.
1: Yes. I, I, and that is another plug for really looking at your products um, yes. and I live a really clean life. Um and I still had some uh, one chemical exposure come up on my recent bioresonance scan that I'm like I don't even know where it came from. Like I mm-hmm. I've looked at my products and I don't know I'm not using anything with it. And so I still have to research that and figure out what is where where is that exposure coming from. Totally. Um it is something that we live in today's world that we just cannot fully control. And so you do need to control the controllables, like the things that you can control, like the laundry detergent. And the, I mean, and you're breathing that in. We're breathing that in every single time. I mean, our skin is soaking it in on our clothes. And so what we wash our clothes in does matter. Um, yeah. And so all of these things, I mean, phthalates are in even just looking at one thing and fragrance, like they have done studies, the EWG has done studies and shown that phthalates is in 75% of products that say, the word fragrance Mm. and it's not going to say it on the label and there's probably hundreds at least a hundred or maybe somewhere around there of different chemicals with phthalates that have phthalates that you can't Mm. just put on a label so you're not you're never going to see it on a label and it is they have they have done studies time and time again of showing how much phthalates are impacting your hormones men especially Sperm count, decreased anal, anal genital distance, the no. AD, it's like a it's like a measure they use to, to show how these chemicals are impacting our bodies. And so you really have to if you I've had and I've had so many messages from women saying, I cleaned up my lifestyle and my periods are better. And no. so I will say like time and time again, you really gotta look at your lifestyles and the day-to-day things that you're using in. And on your body, and it will make a yeah. huge difference.
0: Yeah, and you know, all of these these chemicals are estrogen uh, mimickers, essentially, right? They're mm-hmm. what we call xenoestrogens. And I can't tell you the amount of people that have reached out to me, and after I did my fertility and the estrogen dominance video, tell me that that's what helped them get pregnant. And it's literally um, just a, a hormonal overhaul that all of society toxins are creating. And so just to kind of take a step back and keep it simple, uh, you know, we talked about the herbs for, for sperm count, right? Astragalus, ashwagandha, shatavari, my number one is going to be regenerative heart because that's my number one mitochondrial supplement. Mm-hmm. And the faster we realize that if we support energy production in the body, good things happen, the faster we will heal. Um, and then the other thing that I would just invite you guys to try is to um, basically detox glyphosate because our mitochondria have a bacterial genome in origin, and so glyphosate's an, an antibiotic, essentially, that's in our environment. So maybe try something like Glyphox and Revita Circutonic, and do that protocol and see what changes for you. I would say that the uh, the main one that was really popular when I was really talking about estrogen dominance a lot was artichoke extract, and all that that's doing is helping the gallbladder and liver just degrade those toxic estrogen. That's really what it is. And so, um, give those a try. See, you know what changes, and um, and yeah, go from there.
1: Yeah, I think that was a pretty good answer for for that of decreasing sperm count. It's not just one thing.
0: Correct. Those are probably just some of the bigger things that we can you know talk about. Um, all right, next one, uh, breast implants.
1: Yeah, this is such a big topic. And if you go to your surgeon, you're not going to be told that it is an issue. You're going to be told it's not possible that your chronic fatigue is related to your implants. Um, and you're going to be told that there probably is no, is no issue. And if you have them have surgery to have them removed, you are increasing the risk of complications. And they're gonna make you feel like you're making a bad choice. But breast implants have a lot of issues. And it could be that they, you know, they can leak. It can be what's in them. It can be mold growing on them, which is a common issue for breast huge,
0: implants. Huge, yeah. huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I am not a fan at, at any part of breast implants. Yeah. From the toxicity to the appearance, everything. I'm just I've always been, even before I knew anything about medicine. I was always just like, yeah, that can't be good. Yeah. That, that's there's something wrong with that. And so, um, you know, we, uh, I would say definitely to have them out. And as you're having them out, I would recommend Takasumi Suprema binder, uh, before, during, and after, uh, just to help bind up stuff. If anything gets released, uh, like Lauren said, big source of mold, big yeah. source of mold. And so, um, love black cumin oil for mold, love scutellaria, um, but definitely need a binder. That's one of those ones where I feel like you just need that binder. And, and, uh, we like Takasumi, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's other binders that people like, but that's the one that I've used the most clinically with good results. So that's what I would say, you know, if you're thinking about, do I get them out? Do I not? I would get them out, uh, probably 10 out of 10 times. What, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. I would not have them in Um, you. How many people do you know are diagnosed with cancer in their fifties and sixties and Um, seventies. And we all know that cancer takes 10 years to develop and, or, or more more, does having breast implants in a foreign object increase the likelihood of that cancer diagnosis? I would say 100%. Yes, it does. Because your body is on, is in hyper alert. It's, it's, it is, if you have something foreign in your body, it is constantly circulating saying, I need to respond to this. I need to respond to this. So then you get this immune system that's just always on alert. Think of a soldier that's like standing at attention constantly. They're going to be more likely to pull a trigger if they're constantly ready to go, ready, ready for battle. And so. Your little white, your white blood cells are ready for battle and they're going to, you're going to be more likely to develop autoimmunity, cancer, which is basically immune system, just going haywire. Yep.
0: You,
1: you don't want something in your body like that. Now I know there are other things that something like, a, okay, somebody has a massive injury from a car accident or some huge injury and they have to have a plate in their, in their bone so that they can walk. What there are things that we can't control. I would, I would obviously try not to do that. I would see if there are other alternatives, but there are things that we can't control. And I don't want you to worry if you have something in your body, like, do I get this removed? The biggest thing we're talking about here is that breast implants are so they're in such a sensitive area, such a hormone mm-hmm. sensitive area. Um yeah that you don't, and the lymph nodes are all right there. They're all, I mean, the lymph nodes, if you look at, if you Google lymph nodes system, lymph system, you'll see the lymph nodes are all over the chest. Yeah. You don't want cancer developing right there. It is so close to your lymph nodes and it will travel throughout your body. And that is where you get metastasis and that is not good. And so that is why I really would say 100% of the time agree with Charlie, get them removed. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty easy, easy procedure from my understanding of getting them removed. Um, and you know, what, what, what you can do other things to help with your breasts taking shape. I actually yeah. do have a post on that, that it's been working my brain of like women after breastfeeding, you so your breasts like kind of droop <laughs> and they go flat. Um, and i there's like things you can do to help with that, that I yeah. think a lot of like. A lot of it has to do with your hormones because like a lot of times these women are just super progesterone deficient, um, yeah. or even estrogen deficient and their adrenals are taxed. Then if you get those up and running again, your 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 breasts might actually look different. There are other things if you really have to have something, say you've had cancer before and you've had that, you have to have breast implants after cancer maybe think about like, I think Dr. Keneally has mentioned fat transfer. Does she do that? Does she I'm not it? sure.
0: I'm not, she might, but I'm not sure.
1: I, don't quote me on whether there's risks or, but, but like that might be another option to at least give some shape. If you have yeah. had your breasts removed because of cancer. Um, And so that might be an option there, but if you're just have breast implants first, you know, to make them larger, that might be something to consider is, is it really worth it to you?
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, Um, when we're talking about other implants that are medically necessary, that's just totally different, but like, you know, the majority of breast implants are cosmetic, uh, in nature, just an uh, elective surgery essentially. And, you know, some people have double mastectomies and and things like that. And, you know, that's a little different as well. Um, I don't know what, what's your views on that? If like someone, you know, has a double mastectomy, uh, would you just kind of roll with it or would you do implants?
1: I would, I would, um. I would talk to Dr. Keneally and see which things about fat transfer.
0: Yeah, Um, Yeah.
1: would I would do something like that, um, where it's it's something that from your own body, that your body will recognize. It's still in a different place, but your body will recognize it. Um, I don't know the specifics of fat transfer, so I've never researched it, but that sounds much more... And then that way you just have a little bit of something there. (laughs) Because I know a woman not having breasts would be very hard. I mean, I, I think that would feel...
0: Like the mental stress of it,
1: um, it just th- that would change you. Um, I, mm. I think that would that would be an emotional thing, um. Yeah. And so I understand. I mean, you can wear bras. They do have bras that have them, like you can have them, the breasts like built in. Yeah. Uh, but it I, it would still be you know every time you get in the shower you know and so I get that you would want, um, you would want that. And so yeah. I would probably look into a fat transfer um, or something like that. I don't think I would do implants though.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I have no experience with fat transfers. Um, so, but I think that sounds better than putting silicone in the body that will get all moldy. Um, I did have someone reach out yesterday and email and ask, is it common for people taking circuitonic to, um, start growing like a more full chest? And I'm like, well, if that was happening for, you know, Many many people off of circuitonic. Sercutonic would be the number one sold supplement in the world.
1: It would. <laughs>
0: uh, but what Sercutonic does, it's liver, right? It's it's yeah. it's helping the salt pathway in the liver to help degrade pesticides and estrogens and stuff like that. So when you do a good thing for your body, anything positive um, could change. Uh, so that's our spiel on implants. All right, next one. This one I am interested to to uh, talk about is measles.
1: Yeah. Goodness. I have gotten so many questions about this uh, recently and I know there's a lot about it in the news because why? We all know vaccine exemption um, rates are up and people aren't getting their kids vaccinated as much. And I am, you know, I, I kind of, I think that's a good thing. Um, I I, I don't want, no, they're going to say, well, do you want to go back to living in the, in the 1900s no but you won't because we have clean water and yes where we that,
0: that argument is so taken out of context it's,
1: it's just not like a valid argument at all like it's yeah. it's not it's not comparing apples to apples it's comparing apples to like kiwis like it's totally yeah. different totally. Um, and so it is something that um you know I I, th- I love I just love that parents are actually asking questions now I think that's the yep. biggest thing but um, measles is there is there is uh, increasing rates of, of measles outbreaks. I don't think this one is really that bad. I mean, there was one in 2019. And then I think there was another one in a few years before that. The thing is that the, what I think is hilarious, of, not hilarious, but like ironic about it is that like most of these outbreaks started from somebody getting the vaccine. Totally. Uh, it's if, it's if, not, it's if If people are.
0: Vaccine. If people are new to this and you think that COVID vaccine is the only shedding vaccine, you are mistaken, my friends. Yes. Yes. This has been going on the whole time. Yeah. And so I would argue that some of these vaccines actually shed much longer than the COVID vaccine.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I I think that is something that uh, we just, I I had no idea about, you know, and they don't talk about, it's not discussed. Um, that these live virus vaccines can actually cause the illness that it's said to prevent. There was right. a case in 2022 of vaccine-induced measles encephalitis, and the and the child died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not saying that's going to happen to your child that they've gotten MMR. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying there is risk, and there is benefit. There is. Slightly, some benefit because then you wouldn't get the measles. But if you consider what the benefit like, measles is an Ill- it's a, is an acute illness that doesn't have a lot of complications in the presence of enough vitamin A. Yep. And so, I, I don't see the benefit for a measles vaccine. I, I I don't see that. Um, I don't in any in any case. Um, I agree. Right? Yeah. So I, I um, totally agree. So. When I said that, so vaccine in the presence of enough vitamin A. So there were deaths from measles a long time ago. um, But what they found and what the who is even, even the who says that this is a thing is if you get measles, take a bunch of vitamin A. They have dosing on their website um, for even children, for babies, for adults who get measles because they know that vitamin A helps with measles. And so if it decreases the likelihood of complications. And so, you ha- and this is a this is a case where Charlie was going to talk about some yeah. synthetic vitamin A and how there's a big there's lots of controversies with that. Um yep. but that's basically what I would do. I have some other. I think we discussed it in one of our first podcasts, right?
0: Yeah, we we definitely discussed it. Uh, you know, over a year and a half ago. You know, we've been doing this for a little while now. Yeah. Um, yeah. the biggest thing for me is one measles is not as serious as people think. Yeah. And, you know, back, back in the day, you'd have it for a week, like chickenpox, and you were done. Yep. Now, back in the day, people were also eating cod liver oil all the time. You know, everyone always whenever I tell patients, uh, who are basically like, say 50 years old and older, I would say, whenever I say you need cod liver oil, they all immediately go back to "Oh, my grandma used to make me take cod liver oil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like their first story. And Just like vitamin D has been, and and also vitamin E was villainized pretty heavily, uh, which vitamin E is essential for prostaglandins and uh, for menstrual cycle health and hormone health significantly. Vitamin A, I get this question all the time. Is it too much vitamin A? Is it too much vitamin A? Is it too much vitamin A? they're villainizing vitamin A and vitamin A is what helps heal your gut lining. It's what helps uh, absorb vitamin D, which gets your thymus working, which is how you prevent uh, any autoimmune stuff in your body. It is crucial for your immune system. And I do not think that we are getting enough vitamin A to to get toxicity of vitamin A because yes, it is fat soluble. So it's not like you pee it out. But I'm telling you, the amount of Inflammation that's being caused from our environment is way outweighing the uh, the amount of vitamin A that will cause toxicity in folks these days, yeah. and so the, and, and this is like I, I get irritated with this. I'm I know I'm getting on my soapbox here, but I get irritated because I get this question, and I, I get it because people are concerned. They're concerned about their kids. They're concerned about you know what they hear, but you got to look at it this way. They're telling you that vitamin A is not good for you, right? Like they're saying you can easily overdose and blah, 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 blah. Wear your mask, get your vaccine, blah, 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 blah. And then now people are fearful of vitamin A and now you have measles issues. So you, you gotta take a step back and, and like have a bird's eye view of the clown show that is uh traditional medicine essentially. And people like Anthony Fauci, um, and realize that like, we need vitamins, and minerals, our genetics, our methylation works off of vitamins and minerals. And so when they're villainized, you're, cre- you're creating something very dangerous. And so when people come in and ask me about that, I try my best not to give sarcastic answers, but it's like, um, I don't know how much longer I can, you know, be cordial about it because it's, it's getting annoying at this point. Yeah. So get your vitamin A. We love cod liver oil. I would say because cod liver oil is the most natural source of vitamin A. Um, Yes, you can take Da Vinci Labs ADK. You hear me talking about all the time. Um, You can take that. Immune Armor has vitamin A in it. um, But cod liver oil has vitamin A, vitamin D, CoQ10, DHA, EPA. It's a little more broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And fish oil, it's so important for our brains, for our immune system, to keep our immune system in check with T regulatory cells Um, and so that's what, that's my soapbox on vitamin A. Do you have anything to add to that?
1: (laughs) No, I would, but if I did have measles, um, I would, I would do what the who says. And I, in this one case, in this one case, I would do what the who says and do the high dose vitamin A. So if you get measles, um, do the high dose vitamin A. And if you are doubting us at all, if you're saying, well, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like measles is an issue, please go watch the Brady Bunch episode where they all got the measles. It wasn't an issue. Because, I mean, like, it it was in Hollywood. Like, they, like, they, they, it was, it was, it was like, oh, everyone has the measles, you know, like, it, they would not have put that in there then if they had a vaccine to promote. And so. That's right. That's why you won't see it today. Um that's you'll right. see measles as being the cause of death today in, in Hollywood and in other news. Um, but it's like that's just not the case. It is typically a very acute illness that you will get better. Um and to to do those immune supportive things that that Charlie's already mentioned.
0: Totally. So let's make vitamin A great again. Maybe that's the slogan. <laughs> all right let's move on um three more uh next one get this one all the time lauren i know you were saying that you can speak to this um that you've had this in the past which Mm -hmm. is a lot of people ask about like underarm odors and and things like that and and you and i've mentioned this maybe before but let's let's cover that because this is quite a a common question asked so i'll let you start off tell me your experience with it um and then uh i'll chime in
1: yeah, I mean, so this was, like, never an issue for me. Um, like, on birth control for years, tons of meds, didn't have this issue. When I started, like, going through and cleaning up my lifestyle and um, after pregnancies, after I woke up and realized all this stuff was, was you know, not so good, that's when I started noticing that issue more. Mm. It, it was during a time in my life when I was also dealing with a lot of gut dysbiosis. So my, I had a really bad acid reflux. Um, it was, I mean, I was on max dose Tums every day as well as two other medications to, to stop my acid reflux. And so uh, that's when I started noticing it. Um, it, I I attribute it to ammonia. Um, and so I took ammonia scavenger and that was really helpful. Um, for me, I was not pregnant or breastfeeding and I don't, necessarily think I would recommend that product while pregnant or breastfeeding, but I do think biotoxin binder would be a good option. Um, And that one is fine while pregnant is, I think it's fine while breastfeeding too. Um, And it's good to bind up ammonia. And so that's really helpful. I did the bentonite clay, um, like topical, uh, bentonite clay, apple cider vinegar and tea tree oil topically on the armpits. And that helps a lot too. So you can do that as much as you want. Um, and that would be helpful for the smell as well. But ultimately you have to work on why do you have so much ammonia in your body? Like you yep. can't, you can help with the ammonia. Yeah, there's products to help with that. There's things you can do, but you are just got to keep being this never ending circle. And so you don't want that. So why does ammonia develop in the body? That's the big right. question.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I think you also were talking to me about uh, castor oil packs, weren't you?
1: Oh, yeah. So, I, th- because of helping with the liver and helping it process yeah. everything. And so, that castor oil packs are something that I promote heavily because I think that they're so helpful for things from constipation to et- clearance of um, excess hormones. And that is something that I did heavily during that time. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I still do. Like, those are, that's a really great foundational. Support to help the body clear toxins, and for kids too um, yeah. older, a little bit older kids yeah
0: so um, I echo all of that um i I definitely see ammonia in these types of cases um, and you know uh, Lauren had talked about it comes from dysbiosis, which it really does you know fungus and bacteria and parasites will release ammonia because ammonia um, actually is a defense mechanism for them and um and so how we, what we have to do is, you know, she we talked about biotoxin binder. I also use Takasumi with uh, biotoxin binder. Um, but then looking at it, I usually find that some of the pathogens um, that we have to deal with do really well with Mirinda Supreme and Amalia Supreme. And so we have to go after the pathogens, but then we also have to go after the liver and lymph. And so I will always, with any type of BO... Add in Mangista Supreme, mm-hmm. Shisandra Supreme, and Circutonic from Vervita to help, you know, Shisandra and Circutonic are liver support, Mangista is lymph support. Um, and so, Marinda and, and Malia has been what I've used classically. Sometimes I will use some olive leaf in that too. Olive leaf has become uh, one of my favorite herbs because it's yeah. it's safe for everybody, uh, pregnant, breastfeeding. It might not be... So, Here's one thing that I should say when we say it's safe for everybody doesn't always mean it's the right herb for everybody. Right, Obviously you right. want to get muscle tested and, and you want to um, see what's best for you. But when we say it's safe for everybody, that means like, you know, pregnancy can use it. Breastfeeding can use it. Children can use it. Things like that. So um that one is just a good that in black cumin oil, I would say are the two that I've been using a ton of. Um I know I don't want to throw too many. Um. Remedies out there because it gets confusing, but I would say classically, I've used Malia and Marinda the most for any type of like, um, lymph in the armpits and, and, um, ear, nose and throat, anything yeah. like, uh, armpits up. I usually think Malia, Marinda, I just clinically is yeah. what I've, I've found. But if you're someone who's like, Hey, I tried scutellaria because that helps lymph and infections and in black cumin oil and that helped me, I am, I, I bet it did. And I bet it does. So. Yeah. Um, There's that. And then uh, as Lawrence talked about a binder and castor oil packs, one thing I will say is this society is starving for protein. And when we don't digest our protein properly, then we get muscle wasting and ammonia production. Yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: And so that's another really big one. Um, And uh, the liver has to process it. The kidneys have to process it. And so one thing you'll notice sometimes is that actually people will get this underarm odor only on the right side. And that's the liver side. So, you know, it could be both sides. And, but I've found a ton of people say, Hey, it's only in my right armpit that has this, this odor. And so that's the side of the liver and gallbladder. Um,
1: Okay. So I think it's really, for me to bring up that during that time when I had really bad acid reflux, I didn't eat a lot of meat because Mm. it made my stomach, I felt bloated. I ate some chicken. um, I didn't eat a lot of meat. I didn't feel good eating meat because my body did not, I did not, I was not able to break it down. And so adding digestive enzymes was so helpful for me to be able to break down my food and not have all this ammonia. That's why... With children, you don't necessarily run to like tons and tons of protein because it, they can, if they're not breaking it down well, it can increase ammonia and thus increasing the picky eating. And that's why some kids who are super picky eaters don't love to eat meat because they have a higher ammonia load. Um, And it all goes back to dysbiosis. I had initially done a cell core protocol and I, I saw some results with that. I would say the biggest. Gains I've made in my health are definitely with the Supreme Herbs. Mm-hmm. I have done rounds like you know several months of Malia or Miranda or different ones as I go through, and I I, th- I think it's all great. And you do what works best with you. I would read the write ups on their website; they're super yeah. helpful. And yeah, they have great write ups. Resonate with.
0: Yep. Yeah, they, yeah. they have great write-ups. Um, like Lauren said, whatever you kind of resonate with, if we're talking about two, three herbs and you read one of them, you're like, man, that really sounds like me. Maybe try that one first if you're not getting muscle tested. And- I Definitely
1: um, encourage you to get muscle tested though.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we don't talk as much about cell core. I do use some cell core, obviously. Um, yeah, that's biodegradable. Yeah, toxin Binder, like we just mentioned. Um, and Cellcore is just, it's combo products, which can be very strong. So I, I much prefer that someone get muscle tested for those before they blindly try them. Um, but, you know, have I had success with them? I, I have. Have people had yeah. great success with them? They have, for sure. It's not like, you know, we're talking down on that. It's just, Uh, we're very cautious on what we recommend because some things can be very strong. It's similar to the zeolites, right? There's, there's some zeolites in their products. Like that's one that you and I talked about in our last podcast where it's like, you don't want to blindly recommend it uh, without muscle testing it. Um, so yeah, that that's my spiel.
1: I I I think that's what it was when I initially started. I was it was a very harsh protocol and my body was not quite ready for it. Yeah. Um. And so that's what I would say I see the most with CellCore. I I think it's they're so they're great. I might, yeah. I actually did a recent bioresonance scan and I actually resonated with carboxy. Like yeah. it's a, it's uh it's they're not bad products and they they could be the, the product for you that helps in your healing. It's, Correct. I said it might be too strong, and it might be a combo product where you need to start with single stuff, um, and that's where really getting tested or doing a bioresonance scan could be really helpful.
0: Absolutely. So that leads us into our last two questions: constipation and GERD. So t- uh, hit, take us further on that digestive enzymes and low yeah. stomach acid and all that type of stuff.
1: Okay. So this let, let's just continue my story. So. <laughs> I during that time I was also one of the meds that my doctor had me on was Miralax because I was very constipated. I was on several meds for reflux because I had a lot of acid reflux. Um, all of this came after twelve years of being on birth control and getting lots of vaccines as a nurse. Um, you know that is a factor too. Um, eating the the diet culture diet foods that low low calorie that does not are not nutrient dense. All of these things played a role. And so if you want to work on constipation and heartburn, I, I well constipation, I would start with the gallbladder. Um, that was my biggest issue. That is most people biggest, most people's biggest issue when they have constipation because their bile just isn't going. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's where I would start. I think castor oil packs are a great way to get things going. They're also really good for that nervous system and so much of constipation is is uh, there's a lot of emotional roots to constipation and yeah. being bound up and, and, and stuck in life that we're holding in and not letting go.
0: Yes, not letting go and feeling stuck in life is definitely the yeah. emotions of constipation.
1: Yeah. Um, so digestive enzymes were huge for me um, to break down my food and absorb the nutrients. Um, I did a lot of switchel. We th- I talked about this. I think we have a, a, an old heartburn episode. I will link the recipe. It is an old recipe with apple cider vinegar and boiled ginger, um, water and lemon. And I drank like a hundred ounces of it a day. I'm not telling you to do that. I did that. Um, but it was super helpful for me to get off my meds at the time. I just wanted to get mm. off the meds. And so when I started that, that's what I did. Um, I think switchel, um, digestive enzymes, um, and then helping with that constipation and addressing food sensitivities and parasites. So oh. food sensitivities, big one. Dairy and gluten, huge. <laughs> um,
0: um I'm I'm gonna echo all of that. Yeah, I love how you said gallbladder. Yeah. Because that's the most missed organ in medicine. And bile is a natural laxative. Mm-hmm. Now, here is this GERD and constipation, they're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. They they go with dysbiosis, as Lauren has said, but In constipation, we try to tend to look at the colon like a lot, but we need to look upstream and the upstream is gallbladder and stomach function Mm -hmm. because they, that's a two lane highway. Now here's clinical Pearl. This is how I explained it in the membership is your stomach needs to be very acidic. And what happens is as the stomach makes chyme, which is basically your digested food and stomach acid releases into the small intestine. Small intestine is very alkaline. And so the gallbladder releases, contracts, uh, the bile, which is alkaline, which buffers the stomach acid so it doesn't burn the small intestine. So you got to think about your body. Okay. Well, if the gallbladder is sludgy and is not willing or not able, to dump bile into the small intestine to buffer that stomach acid, your stomach is going to turn down its production of stomach acid so it doesn't burn the small intestine. Now you get GERD because you have food that's sitting there and putrefying and fermenting and releasing lactic acid. And that's what you feel in GERD. It's not stomach acid. It is lactic acid. Oh. And so um, what happens then is you get this you know, this, uh, this down regulation of stomach acid and now no digestion is happening like zip zero because stomach acid and bile is what triggers the central nervous system to basically contract and create peristalsis in the intestines, which is how we have bowel movements and how things move along. So start there. And then the other thing that I will say is after you've addressed that, check thyroid function because because the colon and all of really every cell in your body um, has a thyroid receptor on it. And it, in, the, in the digestive tract, that thyroid hormone actually uh, induces motility. And so a lot of times you'll get that. However, if you've listened to Lauren and I for a while, we always say that the thyroid takes the beating from other issues in the body, which go with liver and gallbladder and digestion anyways. Now, I just released a Hashimoto's video. Um, and if you have any thyroid issue, you need to go watch that because 90% of hypothyroidism is actually autoimmune Hashimoto's Mm -hmm. and that gets missed time and time again. And that's something you don't want to miss. So definitely check that out, but just know that if you've done what we talked about for gallbladder, we, you've done the digestive enzymes, you, you know, what, what sludge is gallbladder, estrogen dominance, insulin, and fungus are the three most common. So if you're like, Hey, I've done golden thread. I've done artichoke. I've done uh, bodyguard supreme for sludgy gallbladder stones. Yep. And I still have that. Now you start going, okay, let's check into the thyroid and see how yeah. the thyroid function is going. How's my T4? How's my T3? Do I have autoimmune antibodies? Do I not? And if you don't, then, um, it's still going to be a detoxification issue that yeah. we need to address one herb that i would i say i love for thyroid is bacopa supreme i love bacopa for getting thyroid hormones regulated on top of all the stuff that we just mentioned with you know digestive enzymes and and gut dysbiosis
1: yeah yeah i mean it is no surprise that i had low thyroid function in the midst of all of that yep
0: yeah. you yeah. it's very common to see Um, gallbladder and thyroid are very related to each other. So that is definitely something, two things that go kind of like, uh, peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you usually, if you affect one, you affect the other and and vice versa.
1: And I think if you polled every woman who has thyroid issued and you ask if they have been on birth control or synthetic hormones, a lot would say, yes, um, I don't think it's all, I don't think that's the only reason. But I just think it's really important we make that connection. Absolutely. And um, you're depleting your body of nutrients um, when you're on birth control. Um, and that will thus further the hypothyroidism, um, the low or the low thyroid function, or it will also th- further the low thyroid conversion from T4 to T3 happening in the liver. So it all is connected. Even if your thyroid's working and producing, if your liver is not converting it and your gut isn't converting it, then it's not going to help. Um, Whoa. and so you need that active thyroid hormone. And so definitely recommend all of those things being addressed.
0: Yep. So it's a layered
1: approach. You're not going to do it all at once. Like you're not going to take 20 supplements at once. Please don't do that. I didn't do no. that. Um, yep. you're not going to feel better doing that. You're probably going to feel worse. And so yep. highly recommend go- like, like pausing and just like, Listen to your gut and say, okay, what do I feel is the best route for me to take? What sounds the best to me? What makes the most sense to me? Um, and then and then go from there. And then, of yes. course, with a practitioner.
0: Cr- critical point analysis is find the lowest common denominator. If you listen to our podcast, you listen to us on Instagram, you listen to my membership, and you're like, man, I really have insulin issues. I have everything that you're saying about insulin. Start there. Yeah. Man, I really have everything... All these estrogen dominant symptoms start there, yeah. man. I my gut is bloated all the time. I I get odors under my armpits. Um, I get skin rashes. Might be fungus and parasites. Start there. You know, it's if you do all of it at once, you're surely to fail.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Uh, it's, yes, it's too and much. Expecting it, it to be a quick fix within that, like it yes. was. It's been years for me, like years. I have. I was telling a practitioner the other day that I was on seven medications. I had. Awful acid reflux. I mean, literally max dose Tums every single day. Mm. Um, and some days over the max dose because I was still so miserable. And I don't have acid reflux one bit anymore. Even if I have a junky meal, I don't have acid reflux at all. Um, and it is because I, I've just, it's been years, it's been years of working on it. Now, is it worth it? 100%. Yes. I feel way better. So much more energy. No daily headaches. All of it's, it's worth it. But it did take some time. And so don't expect it to be like all overnight.
0: Yeah. Versendahl had a great quote. And I can't remember exactly, as he said, I have it in my one of many notebooks of handwritten notes of me listening to his footage. Um, but he would say that that health is like a a never ending road. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to pave it with positive, like healthy action steps. And, and so that is so true. It is a never ending road. You, you don't just get healthy and then you're healthy the rest of your life. Like it, you maintain it. You it arrives. takes work. <laughs> yeah. It it, it it takes work and, and action steps. And, uh, the saying is that the universe rewards the action step. And so, uh, hopefully this podcast provides those for you and, and helps you in your health journey uh we really do love doing this and i really I, I keep saying it over and over but i love this forum this style of podcast like you know five to seven different topics where we can just talk and and uh it's genuine it's authentic it's it's our experience and it covers a lot more in a lot less time
1: yeah yeah i think and i do think it's really helpful for people they can hear our thoughts on some current issues like the measles um yep. and just some different topics. So we're trying to do this to help you because this format is so much easier to talk about these things than a quick answer on the story. Like you totally. just can't type out that much. And yeah, it's it's, totally, it's
0: impossible. It's impossible. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so that's why this format is so much better and you can actually gain an understanding of it so that way, when it comes up in your life or in your friend's life or your family member's life, you can actually discuss it and say, yeah. hey, like, I think you should look in the gallbladder or liver. You know, like it it really helps for you to have the understanding so that you know why you're taking a certain supplement and you're not just taking this because someone mentioned it, that you totally. understand why. And you're taking ownership of your health um, and and really saying, I can do this. And you can you, you can you truly can heal. For, I think anything you can heal from anything. And so totally. believing that is, is is also the first step too.
0: Amen to that. Lauren, why don't you read your favorite saying?
1: Yes, this is not medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything.
0: All right, folks. Uh, thanks y'all for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one.